Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Blue Crew, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, and I am not joined with my co-host, Cody Frankel, today. He's taking a load management Sunday. He's got a bit of the Sunday scaries. He spent the weekend in Miami, so everyone feel free to chirp him, but I'm happy he had a nice vacation. And we'll hear from Cody in the interview today with Dave Jackson, the former NHL referee and the current ESPN rules analyst. Dave is an awesome guy and knows the game of hockey in and out. And we had a great conversation with him. I also want to thank everyone that reached out and wished me a happy birthday. Uh, special shout out to Pete Dempsey. Uh, fun conversation with him on, on Instagram DM. But I uh, really appreciate all the, the kind words and, um, you know, everything that people said uh, for me, which was nice. Turned 27. So, uh, you know, feeling a little bit older, but also feeling like I'm 23. And as you can tell in my voice, I did do a lot of partying this weekend. So um, I don't have the best voice right now for this episode, but please bear with me. Uh, fun week of the Rangers. Big comeback win against the Florida Panthers. Another nice win against the Carolina Hurricanes after that heartbreaking 3-2 loss at home. Um, a lot of positives to take away. Another example of this team having no quit. You know, I think uh, there is a concern about the first periods and the starts, but I think sometimes on the road it's tough to get your feet under you right away and you got to weather that storm, especially against a team that's been playing as well as the Florida Panthers. They've been one of the better teams in the NHL as of late. I know they lost a couple games this past week, but the Panthers have won six out of their last ten games, uh, and they're trying to push for the playoffs right now. They're three points back at Pittsburgh. So that's a huge win against a very good Florida Panther team. The Rangers currently in third in the Metropolitan Division. They have 96 points. Devils in second with 100. The Devils also clinched yesterday. And the Carolina Hurricanes in first with 103. I know we have some fan questions about the Metropolitan Division standing, so I don't want to get too deep into it right now. But the way things are shaking up, I mean, all the matchups basically seem like they're intact right now. Uh, I don't see the standings changing so much. I know right now as far as the wild card seeds go, Florida, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders are battling it out. Buffalo I don't think really stands a chance anymore. They're only six points back, but with 10 games left, it's going to be really hard to make up that room. But anyone who listens to this show knows that I'm a huge Alexi Lafreniere fan, so it was great to see him score that goal and have an assist in that game against Florida and the nice little video afterwards of Foxy calling him Big Al and then Lafreniere giving the boys the green light. You love that. So, game, fellas. Yarrow, way to play back there. Painter, nice goal. Two nice pass. Got to pick one of the kid line. Big Al. Hey. Oh. Hey. Good win, boys. Way to come back. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy the day off tomorrow. Fun week of Rangers hockey and another fun week coming up. They got four games this week. They got one against the Devils on Thursday, too, which will be a, a heated battle in New Jersey. I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun on Twitter that night, which is Thursday night. But I guess just some key takeaways. The, the one concern I have right now is the Rangers' power play. I still think there's a lot of talent on both units. I don't know what the correct units are. I'm still iffy on whether I like Patrick Kane and Panarin playing on the same unit. I know they have a lot of chemistry, but sometimes they're just doing too much. Uh, you know, that extra pass or hanging on to the puck a little too long, the stick handling. And obviously there's a lot to that statement. Kane and Panarin are you know, clearly guys you want on your power play unit, but 
they still have to juggle and, and figure out what the best combination is going to be going forward for this power play. I'd love to see Tarasenko on that first unit somewhere. I think Tarasenko right now, you know, aside from Mika, is the best sniper on this team. Like Tarasenko to me is a pure natural goal scorer, and to have him on the second unit instead of the first, I think, is somewhat of not a mistake, but I think it would benefit the team more to have Tarasenko on that first unit. And, you know, I talked about it a couple of times on SiriusXM Radio, and you want your power play to have as many shooting threats as possible because that's what opens up everything else. When you think about the Mika one-timer, teams are more likely to cover him, which opens up Kreider backdoor or opens up Panarin on the far side. And I think that's, you know, when you have Tarasenko on that unit as well, you're just opening up another seam. So you'd open up Fox for a shot. You'd open up Kreider for a shot. Or you'd open up Kane or Panarin to make a cross-size pass. Just all these little things you can do when you have more shooting threats on your power play because you have to respect the shot. That's how every PK is basically taught. You know, you think about teams that kill penalties against Ovechkin. They have a guy in Ovechkin basically all at all times because, you know, the best shot is the biggest threat in the ice. So I, I still would love to see Tarasenko somehow find his way. If you ask me what an ideal first power play unit would be, it's Fox to Banjad. Tarasenko, Panarin, I guess I got to go Kreider. I don't know. It's it's really tough to say because, you know, having Patrick Kane on the second unit is still – this team is just too talented. It's so hard to really put your finger on what the best combination is going to be. But I do think Kreider and Mika have to be together on that first unit. I think Foxy obviously, you know, has to quarterback it. And then Panarin, Kane, I feel like they're interchangeable. Tarasenko, I think, should be on there, though. Tarasenko's shot is a complete weapon, and I think you got to use more of it. I'm definitely going to ramble on a little bit uh, in that regard, so I'm going to stop myself there. We'll see how the combinations go throughout the rest of the season. I, I do like the fact that they're going to change things up because the Rangers haven't scored a power play goal in their last three games. They're over their last nine, one for their last 13. So it's not like this power play is necessarily clicking, but a positive to take away from that is that the Rangers are scoring five-on-five, five, which you know the last two years has been – somewhat of a crutch for them scoring five and five. So it's good to see the Rangers scoring at even strength. It sucks that their power play hasn't necessarily figured it out, but this team has now won six out of the last seven games, eight out of the last 10. They're looking good at the right time and they're getting hot when they need to. So a lot of positives to take away as we go into the last two weeks of the regular season here. Uh, this is pretty much it. You know, we got nine games left and then it's playoff time i tweeted it today i mean i can't believe it's almost april or it's gonna be april this week like this season has flown by and i am not ready to have my heart ripped out just yet i need these two weeks to to reset so i'm actually going to miami myself cody was there this weekend i'm going next weekend to take a little mental reset i'm probably not going to be on social media as much just gonna you know have some fun with some friends and take my mind off of a lot of things and um, you know, I think that's important to to have a little mental reset every now and then, especially when, you know, things are going to get busy. But I also think the fans, you know, we got to reset mentally a little bit, too, because it's going to be a crazy, crazy couple months. Hopefully, at least, you know, if the Rangers do put on a show and go on a run here, it's going to be a fun two, three months in New York. And the weather's nice now. I went rollerblading today on the Brooklyn Bridge. It was great. Um, you know, it's great to be outside in New York. It's great to have the nice weather. It's great to have the city buzzing. And I'm really just looking forward to these next couple months. It's going to be so much fucking fun. Speaking of the nice weather, I do want to talk about a clothing brand that is near and dear to my heart that is inspired by the sun and waves. Faraday is a family brand that's all about guaranteed for life, high quality clothing, legendary comfort, and good vibes. It's founded by twin brothers, Alex and Mike, their mom, Ninny, and Kerry, Alex's wife. Faraday grew out of their longtime love of the surf and mountains, 
road trips, and beach bonfires. You all know the feeling. They're passionate about craftsmanship and sustainability, and their clothes get even better with age. Every piece is designed to be a lifetime favorite, and if anything happens along the way, they'll replace or fix your clothes for life no matter what. Faraday has the perfect mid-season layers for spring, like the best-selling soft and stretchy legend sweater. I just said it's getting nice out, and Faraday has the perfect mid-season layers for spring, like the best-selling soft, stretchy legend sweater shirt that has thousands of five-star reviews. I know you'll find something you love at Faraday. The hype around their comfortable clothing is real. I wear Faraday literally all the time. I wore it to the bar this weekend. I love the button-down shirts, the flannels. They're so comfy. They're so soft, and I have all the plain-colored T-shirts as well. The white, the gray, the black, the blue, any plain color Faraday shirt I pretty much own. So right now, Faraday is giving all Blue Crew listeners 20% off on every order. You heard me. You get 20% off on every order if you head to FaradayBrand.com and use code Lazarus20 at checkout to get this deal. That's code Lazarus20, L-A-Z-A-R-U-S-20 at Faraday, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y, Brand.com for 20% off. I love my Faraday. And I know you guys will love your Faraday as well. So if anyone's got a birthday gift coming up, go buy them some clothes of Faraday with the code Lazarus20. And with that being said, let's get into some fan questions. We got a lot here this week. First one from Pete Maloney. Are you worried about Lindgren getting injured in the playoffs? Can we win without him? Listen, I think I'm worried about anyone getting injured in the playoffs. I mean, you need your team to stay healthy for a playoff run, right? But Lindgren, as of late, you know, is, is the guy who just – can't seem to stay healthy this last month or so. You know, I, I am definitely worried with the way that he plays as well. Lingren is a guy who likes to mix it up, get physical. And, uh, you know, he is probably one of the more injury-prone guys, you know, in the playoffs because of the way he plays. So I'm definitely worried. I'd be lying if I wasn't. But I think Lingren at the same time is super tough and will play through injury. Obviously, you don't want him to have to do that, but that's just what playoff hockey is all about. So I, I think, you know, 95% of Ranger fans right now would say they're worried about Lingren getting hurt in the playoffs. But it's just a part of the game, right? Staying healthy is a part of it. And uh, hopefully he can. Hopefully the Rangers can. Next one from Rami Lavi, my friend Rami. With the gap at the top of the Metro continuing to shrink, what's your ideal one, two, three? Uh, no offense, Rami. I love you, but somewhat of a silly question. I mean, I think my ideal one, two, three is the Rangers to get first, the Carolina Hurricanes to get second, and the Devils to get third, right? Like that's the pretty, that's the pretty obvious answer. Uh, but right now I think realistically speaking – you know, the Devils and Rangers both have nine games left. The Hurricanes have 10 games left. I don't think anyone's catching Carolina, but I would love for Carolina to drop to that second spot. The Devils take over number one for the Rangers to play Carolina in the first round. I don't want to put the Devils in the first round. I've said it. I've been clear about it. I've vocalized it. I don't want any piece of the Devils right now in the first round. I don't want it. Uh, let the Rangers win around and then play the Devils. I think there's too much pressure on them and the new acquisitions and this team as a whole to figure out how to play well in the playoffs against a team that's been rolling all year, like the Devils. Uh, Carolina, you know, the Rangers, for whatever reason, don't seem to be intimidated by them. Not that they should be intimidated by anyone, but the Rangers seem to always be able to play with Carolina and compete with them and beat them. And I am not so nervous about a playoff series against the Carolina Hurricanes as I am against the New Jersey Devils. And that might not make sense to a lot of people, but that's just my own opinion. Um so, yeah, ideally for me, it's it's Devils 1, Carolina 2, Rangers 3. If the Rangers can catch them, great. I just don't know how realistic that is. The next one, and this is shout-out to my co-host Cody on load management right now. Cody just wrote, since the GOAT will not be in attendance, I think he's referring to himself. Laugh is a king, Heedle is a prince, and Kako is a lion. Cody, great take. Love you, and rest up because we got a lot of good stuff coming. Next question, Sammy Hockey 36 
Should the Rangers just shut down Lingren for the season? And that seems to be a theme of tonight's episode. Uh, I think shutting him down, you know, maybe sit him out for a couple games here and there, but I don't think to shut him down completely helps. I mean, you want Lingren to, you know, feel good about his game going into the playoffs. If he sits for 10 games, you know, you don't want him to come in with cold feet. So, you know, I think maybe playing him every other game or, you know, maybe sit him out the last two. Uh, once the Rangers clinch the playoffs, it's a different story. I mean, they're basically going to clinch, so it's fine. But I don't think having him not play is the answer, but I think giving him a little bit of extra rest would definitely be beneficial. Next question from James Chrysler. Which new guy will have the most impact in playoffs, and why is it Vladdy? I actually completely agree. I think it's going to be Tarasenko as well. Uh, I think just the way Tarasenko plays, he's a pretty physical guy also. He's not just skill. He's not just talent. He's not just a goal scorer. He can throw his body around and, Tarasenko has been a lot of fun to watch. I don't think he's necessarily been as consistent as we like so far, but since he's joined the team, he's played 22 games. He's got five goals, nine assists, and 14 points. I mean, you know, five goals isn't as much as we'd like to see, but I think Tarasenko definitely ramps his game up come playoff time. I mean, in his career, the guy's got 41 goals, 19 assists, 60 points, and 90 playoff games. So he's definitely a playoff performer. He had six goals and three assists for nine points in 12 games last year. In the cup run, he had 11 goals, six assists, 17 points in 26 games for St. Louis in 2019. I think Tarasenko is going to be a game changer in the playoffs. I really do. And, and Kane's going to be great also. Mott's going to be great. We know what Mott can do, but Tarasenko to me is going to be the X factor that helps this team win the Stanley Cup. It's not going to be Kane. It's going to be Tarasenko because he's looked great on that first line with Panarin, with Zibanejad. Tarasenko is going to be the guy, I think, that gets this team over the hump. And having Kane and, and Mott there as well is just a huge benefit. But Tarasenko, I couldn't agree more. I think we need him to be the guy. And I think he will be the guy. You know, the guy I'm saying right now, as far as acquisitions go, he's not going to be the guy over Mika or over Panarin. But I think Tarasenko will be a huge puzzle piece when we look back on the season. Next one is from Bam Daniels. If the Rangers landed Malkin in free agency – and only one of either Senko and Kane. Never heard anyone call him Senko before. How different would our season been? Uh, I think a lot different because I think if we landed Malkin, we also weren't getting Trocheck. So uh, having Malkin at the second center position would have been great. Would have been fun. Malkin's a guy that we've loved to hate. I mean, I can't stand Malkin, but that's because you know the Rangers Penguins rivalries over the last couple of years. I, I love Malkin as a player, but I fucking hate him as an opponent because you know he's a guy that gets under your skin. You like to get under his skin and. You know, he could play a little bit of a dirty game, but getting Malkin would have changed the team completely. And, you know, I think in the summer I said I would have loved to have Malkin. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a Hall of Famer on your team? But looking back now, I don't know how Malkin would have gelled in this lineup. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I wouldn't have wanted him, but I think the Rangers got the right puzzle pieces. Like, I like what Trocek has done. I think Trocek's going to be a good playoff player. He's a, you know, hard-nosed, gritty two-way forward. And I think Malkin is somewhat of the same, but I think Trocek – just fits the mold a little bit more than Malkin would have. Lauren Khaleesi, the Rangers are 19-0-1 when the kid line has at least a point, more ice time for them. This is something that I feel like we talk about all the time, and, and the kid line getting ice time and whatnot. I mean, you look at their stats in the last 10 games, Alexi Lafreniere has a total of 14.8 minutes, Hedl has 14.14, and Kako has 12.68. I mean, they're not getting a lot of ice time. Basically, you know, a minute or two more than the fourth line, the top two lines are in that 18-minute, 20-minute range. Uh, you know, I would love to see the kid line get more ice time, but I think, you know, in the playoffs, Gerard Gallant's going to ride the hot hand. I mean, I think, uh, 
you know, the kid line was a, a huge bright spot last year. They were the, the story of the playoffs for the Rangers. But when the kid line gets going, I think Gallant's going to let them run. Uh, and it's hard to say right now in the regular season just because, you know, it's been uh, not an off year for the kid line, but they've definitely gone on a lot of hot streaks, some cold streaks. You know, Hedl was quiet for a bit, but he's he's scored a couple goals as of late. Uh, and I think just the main thing with the kid line is finding consistency because when, when they're at the top of their game, you know, they're they're one of the more exciting lines on this team. So, you know, I hope the kid line gets more playing time. It's a great stat. I did not know they were 19-0-1 when they registered a point. So uh, that's cool to know. But, yeah, I think the kid line, you know, come playoffs, they'll, they'll get more ice time as they buzz. And the last question, this is from Matty Ice 17 What's the chances that the Rangers get the second seed in the Metro Division? Like I said before, they're just four points back at the Devils. They have a big game against the Devils on Thursday. That could be a huge swing. I mean, I think the odds are pretty good. I would say, you know, right now the Devils probably have like that 55% chance with the Rangers or 45 to make it in the second spot. But, you know, this game Thursday is going to be huge. If the Rangers lose the Devils on Thursday, then, you know, I'd say it's basically done. The Rangers have a chance at getting second. But if the Rangers win, you know, who knows what that does to the team and, and just what it can do to the, their confidence to spark the last nine games here. So, um, you know, the Devils have been playing really good too. They're five, three, and two in their last ten. The Rangers are eight, one, and one in their last ten. You know, these are two really good teams. Whether the Rangers get second or third, having home ice in that series, I don't even think matters because the fans are going to show up in both places. But yeah, I think the Rangers' chances aren't low, but I don't know if they're super high. I think it all depends on this game Thursday, to be honest. So that's going to wrap it up for this week's fan questions. And for those of you that ask how to submit fan questions, you can always just tweet them at the Blue Crew or at me or at Cody on Sundays. Uh, Cody and I typically record on Sundays or Monday, depending on the Rangers schedule. You know, we're recording Sunday today because we're going to post the episode tomorrow, Monday, because the Rangers play Tuesday. But, uh, you know, if the Rangers were to have played tomorrow, we might have recorded tomorrow after that game. It all kind of just depends. But we always post either Monday or Tuesday. And you can submit questions uh, directly to us on our Instagram page, Blue Crew Pod on Instagram. That's where we post our questions. Uh you know, I, I post the question thing every Sunday to, to submit your questions. So that's where all the questions come from. So if you're listening right now and you want to know how to submit a question, you can just tweet at us. Or when you see it on our Instagram story on Sunday or Monday, uh, just reply to the Instagram story. You know, the more questions, the merrier. And I also do want to say before we kick it over to Dave Jackson, I think we will be recording an episode after every single playoff game. So, you know, we want to have as much up to date, uh, not necessarily content, but you know, conversations as much as possible throughout the playoff run. We think this could be a special couple months and we want to get questions after every game. We want to answer questions after every game and we want to keep the conversation going throughout the playoffs. We don't want to do one a week and, uh, you know, wait a couple games to talk to you guys. So we're going to try and do as much as we can throughout the playoffs to talk almost every other day. So, uh, you know, please bear with us and please send us questions. And also, you know, if you want to give your opinion, like we'd be more than happy to have a fan come on or a listener come on and just kind of, Give their thoughts too. So if you ever want to hop on the show, um, you know, if we're recording every other night for a couple of months, we're going to be looking for new voices. So just reach out and let us know you're interested. And uh, with that being said, let's send it over to Dave Jackson. Hope you guys enjoy it. This week on the Blue Crew, we are very happy to welcome on a 30-plus year NHL referee, the rules analyst for ESPN. I'm sure everyone listening to this show right now has cheered at one point that he sucks at Madison Square Garden, so we're going to apologize for that right off the bat. But welcome to the show, Dave Jackson. Dave, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. And let me just say, 
Madison Square Garden, probably <laughs> my favorite building to work. Really? Honest, honestly, yeah. Love yeah. that. We're not really shy with the Refuse Suck chant, though. <laughs> ah, you know what? You don't really hear it. You, you hear a, 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 general, a general buzz to the crowd. But uh, no, I just, I mean, working MSG, I just, I always felt like Frank Sinatra. You know, mm -hmm. you put your suit on and you, you come walking out and the lights are bright on, you know, Broadway. And it's just, uh, you get Times Square and the flashing lights. I just, just love MSG. Just Plus you got 19,000 other referees working with you. <laughs> well, that happens everywhere, but uh, always enjoyed it. Yeah. So I, so I actually want to kick this off because getting into refereeing is such an interesting job in itself. So I would love to know, like, at what age or point in your life did you know you wanted to become a referee? And, and what is that process like to become a, you know, a professional referee? Well, I, I don't think anybody sets out to be a professional referee. Um, <laughs> I grew up in, well, maybe, but I grew up in Montreal. I was born in the 60s. Uh, mm -hmm. So I kind of came of age with Montreal Canadiens in the 70s with those, you know, amazing teams. I mean, my earliest recollection was Jean Belliveau was captain like in 1970, uh, right through, you know, Larry Robinson, Guy Lafleur, Yvonne Cornoyer, Henri Richard. I mean, it was just, it was an embarrassment of riches for the decade of the 70s. And they won the Stanley Cup, I think, four or five times that decade. And every kid in Montreal wanted to play for the Montreal Canadiens. And that's, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an NHL hockey player. Um, I was a decent hockey player, nothing, nothing great. And um, I was about 14 years old. They had a paper route and I just hated delivering newspapers at six in the morning. So a buddy of mine said, Hey, come referee, you, you, you'll, you'll make some money. And even when you played, I mean, I, I played like the top hockey I could play in my city, but back then in the seventies, you didn't, or in the early eighties, you didn't, uh, you weren't on the ice every day. So you had two or three days a week where you, you were free. So uh, I went and refereed hockey. I just, you know, did kids hockey. I started when I was 14. And I was kind of a parallel path with playing, um, but I was undersized. I mean, I didn't really grow till I was 18. So I was a 5'10", 160 pound defenseman in midget. And uh, <laughs> not many of those guys are getting drafted unless they got mm -hmm. the hands of Phil Housley. So, um, you know, my hockey career ended and I just kept refereeing as I went to college. And um, I started moving up the ranks doing uh, travel hockey. I finally got to uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And uh, when I got to that point, so I was 18 or 19 and I thought, wow, this is, you know, major junior hockey in Canada. It's a pretty big deal. And uh, I, I was working in that. And then uh, I had the good fortune of going to a summer camp where the NHL um, saw me and spoke with me and invited me to training camp. I was 21 years old. Super and young. the rest is history. Uh, they hired me on and they put me, they actually assigned me in all three junior leagues in Canada and the uh, and some NCAA and the CCHA, uh, IHL, and the uh, American Hockey League. So I, I literally had one, they gave me one sweater and they gave me like a, about nine patches and yeah. just a big piece of Velcro on my chest. And I just kept you ripping the patch off and going to the next city. And I did that for, uh, for three years. And then uh, NHL signed me to a minor league contract. And that meant I was eligible to start doing NHL games. And in my second, so in my fifth year with them, I did my first NHL game. And, and then a couple of years later, I'm a full-time NHL and I was there for 25 more years. I was going to say, hopefully they, hopefully they give you some gas money when you were in the, the CHL, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, they took, they took good care of us. They, they, uh -huh. they really did. Uh, travel, expenses, just about everything, you know. It's a lonely existence, but yeah. uh, they, they take good care of you. I always love shooting the shit with the refs because I always stretch by the ref circle and warm up. So I always okay. like, uh, you know, I always kissed up to referees a little bit. Not that I was a big PIM guy, but 
Uh, it was always nice to have the relationship with the referees. And, you know, everyone loves to talk about how much the game has changed. But, I mean, refereeing, I imagine, has changed a lot too, right, in the last decade or even, you know, 20 years. I mean, you think now, like, yeah. the, the human emotion and human effect not necessarily is out of the game, but now, I mean, you know, there's a review every single night, and that's what makes your job, you know, so difficult right now. But which one do you even prefer, like the job you have now or being an NHL ref on the ice? Because I imagine they're well, two completely different gigs. My body, my body is in constant pain, so sitting behind the, the camera is a lot, uh, a lot easier for me now. Uh, and I'm never wrong, or I'm seldom wrong. <laughs> I, get to, I get to look at things a bunch of times. But, but you talk about how refereeing has changed. I mean, when I started, it was the one referee system, not the two-man system. And um, so my first, well, I probably did 500 games in the minor leagues between IHL and American League. And then I did about uh, seven years full-time NHL as just one referee. And the wow. game has changed so much. I mean, here I was, my first NHL game, uh, 24, 25 years old. And you just have to look at videotape from, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And you kind of had to run through a checklist before you put your arm in the air. You know, did he hook him? Did he fall down? Was it a scoring chance? I mean, you had to, you almost gave yourself reasons not to call a penalty. Mm -hmm. And then now we evolved the game to where, I mean, I think it's in a great place, but we've evolved it to where, why are we letting, why are we letting the players cheat and not letting the good players showcase their talent? So now when, you know, when I'd miss a penalty back in the one-man system, a lot of times I'd, I'd watch the game on the old VHS, you know, put it in your, your tape and uh, hear the announcer going, oh, that so-and-so got hooked or tripped, but, you know, good judgment by the referee and not call that. And mm -hmm. wasn't good judgment. I, ju I, ju I just missed it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and things got missed and you weren't expected to call stuff, you know, late in the game unless it was, you know, an axe murder. But, mm -hmm. but then coming out of the lockout in 2005 and we were, two referees, the game became faster and the competition committee, uh, Steve Walkham had a huge part in that. Um, my ex-boss, who's the referee in chief. Um, why not let the skilled players showcase themselves? Like, why do we let the lesser players slow them down? And we just started calling penalties. And man, we had an ex that exhibition season come out of the lockout. I, I can remember doing preseason games with 25 minor penalties. And everybody, was, everybody was going, this isn't going to work. And yeah. the, the inside, we were going... Yeah, it's not going to work. Like, I mean, teams were playing. There was there was a power play 50, 50 minutes of the game. And players are going, come on, man, just let us play. This isn't going to work. It's going to work. And But we kept getting good support, stayed with it. And now, I mean, a guy hooks a guy going to the net late in the game. If you don't call that, people are going, what, what what's going on here? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the thing, game has gone 180. And yeah. you, couldn't, you couldn't do it one referee now. The standard's so tight and the players are so fast that just, it, would, it would just revert back to the way it was. You need two referees out there. We always argue, I feel like, which sport's the hardest to ref to. And when you think about it, like NHL refs, you know, you don't get a shift off. Like I, one yeah. ref out there for 20-minute periods, I imagine, is a bagger. <laughs> well, it was it was more physically taxing when it was one one referee. Obviously, you got to be mm -hmm. on both ends of the ice. I think for me, ask most referees, as the games get tougher, it, it, it's mentally fatiguing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not so much the physical aspect. They're all in good shape. They're all great skaters. It's just a mental fatigue, always being worked, always getting beaten down, mm -hmm. um, you know, being worked on. But um, I mean, it's still, a, it's a great, it's a great job. If you can't be a player, it's the next best thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I was going to ask because uh, you know, we're, we're talking about this right now. So like, are, are there any other transitions or strides you think the game needs to make over the next few years? 
uh, you know, going from one ref obviously to two, like, is there anything else that you'd like to see the game kind of transition to over the next couple of years? That, that, that's a really good question. There's a couple of rule tweaks I'd like to see. You know, it's, it's tough for uh, it's a big debate about puck over to glass. I mean, it's, it's kind of a black and white penalty and mm. to leave guys out there sometimes guessing is tough. Uh, I'd like to see uh, maybe a minor penalty for hitting from behind. I mean, it, it we don't have that in the NHL rulebook. It's, it's got to be a major. And, you know, a guy will hit a guy at center ice between the shoulder blades and it's clean hit in every other way, except it's from mm-hmm. behind. And it just gets everybody upset. I mean, maybe that would be good. And, and then maybe a transitional penalty with, um, mm-hmm. with uh, spearing because spearing is, you know, you see someone get one uh, where it hurts and, yeah. but it's one, it's one handed and it's in a scrum and you see it called slashing for two minutes or at the back of the leg in front of the net, it's called two minutes. Um, the four minute options only there if it's an attempt, but there's no contact. So when there is contact, you know, a lot of times it's a default to, to a slashing penalty. If we had the option to say I, there was contact call four minutes, I think it would be impactful and that would help mm-hmm. the game. But I mean, other than that, I think we've got review in a good place. You don't want to over review the game. Otherwise you might as well just not have referees. I think it's in a good place. I guess it can always improve, but. Sorry, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I just have a question about the review, which I'm sure a lot of the fans are wondering. If you're about also. to take my next question, I'm going to be so mad. I don't think <laughs> I am. But, uh, you know, obviously most things right now are reviewable, but there's one thing that has happened a couple times, not too often, but when a player is called for high sticking and it's yep. their own player's stick that hits them, yep. that's not reviewable. And it's happened a couple times to the Rangers this year where, you know, you see the clip on Twitter and now obviously we live in this world where – everything is posted on Twitter after. And that's kind of how we started talking originally. Yep. You know, how do we fix that? Like the penalties that aren't necessarily, necessarily reviewable, but after seeing the replay, everyone knows, you know? Yeah. So you're kind of right. We do have the option. If, if he cuts him, mm-hmm. if you call a double minor, you can review the penalty. And the only option, if you review a double minor is to get rid of it. You can't reduce the double minor to two. Mm-hmm. So what they're looking for there is, is was it the puck? Or was it his own teammate or was it a legit follow through? And if it's one of those three things, you can take that penalty off the board. What you're talking about is a two minute penalty, right? Where yeah. His own, in those cases, the referee, I can tell you, it feels as bad as anyone. He's skating in a box <laughs> going, oh man, I hope he's cut. I really hope he's cut. <laughs> then, I can, then I can review it. Yeah. Um, so I see what you're saying, but it's a slippery slope because what about when we call a trip and the replay clearly shows the guy toe picked? Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's I mean, you just, a hard, you just live you know? with it. You just live with it, yeah. right? So uh, I think if you'd say, well, you can review every high stick, then you can review every trip. You can review every elbow. Um, it's a two-minute penalty. Uh, yeah, That's what the game's about. I mean, people, I think, I, I, well, you and I both know it, but we battle on Twitter all day long with people that you know, <laughs> come at you and everything. But And they go, you know, the refereeing, the refereeing's so bad. I'm reading books. I'm reading a book right now. Uh, it's on my desk over there from um, – Origin of Stanley Cup and a team from Dawson City in the Klondike was challenging for the cup and they traveled for like a month to play. And the newspaper reports are all about the refereeing. People were complaining <laughs> then about the refereeing yeah. and how, you know, they were no good. And they were, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it is the hardest sport to referee. It really is. Yeah. You look about it, it's the fastest sport. Um, it's the only sport with a weapon in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only sport that has retaliatory penalties for the most part. It's tough, and I'm not. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to get sympathy, but it's it's a tough. It's not yeah. an exact science. It's uh, call it call it by the book. Just call it black and white. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. not black and white. I mean, there's there's so few call puck over the glass is black and white. Offside is black and white for the most part. Everything else is gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, 
speaking of the gray area, I would love to know your take on the goalie interference rule because I feel like it's just so undefined and especially come playoffs, you'll always see, you know, every year one or two goalie interferences that is a, is a crucial. It happened in the Rangers, I think twice yep. last last. Like it's a crucial, crucial play yep. whenever it happens. So I'd love to know, like, how do you interpret the rule? Like what, what is it defined as? Well, I will say there's a ton of confusion out there, mm-hmm. but I, I will also say a lot of that is, is people who are uneducated in the rule. And I don't mean that as a, as a shot to anybody. Right. Um, I just mean, like, uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm well, not no, even NHL to... players are uneducated. Like, right. they, they don't even know when to... the rule came. <laughs> Nobody knows. It just happened, you know? Right. And I'm not trying yeah, to, like, yeah. you know, uh, pump myself up here. But if, you, if yeah. you were to give me a montage right now of 20 reviews that have happened in the last season, without knowing the result, I could probably tell you what the answer in 18, 18 of those 20 is going to be. I wish we had that prepared. That would have been fun. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and I say that only because um, I make a judgment on those all the time. And I know what to look for. And the best thing people can do, the best advice I can give people, NHL.com has a video rule book on their webpage. And they've got like a 10-minute video explaining goalie interference. Now, it's not black and white. And it's always subject. The people in the situation room in Toronto rotate through. But it's a small group in Toronto that rotates through. And they're pretty consistent. What people need to realize, there, there's a couple of main things, is how did the player get into the blue paint? Mm. Did he do it on his own or was he pushed in there? Once he's in there, did he try and get out or did he stay in the crease? Did he prevent the goalie from doing his job? And if it was a loose puck, if it's a loose puck, if he doesn't intentionally run the goalie over, if he's strictly battling for that loose puck, it's game on. That's anybody's puck. It's not like soccer or something where you can't go in when the goalie has the puck. If it's loose, you're allowed to battle for it. And what people also don't realize, the biggest thing I don't think they realize is you'll see a, a goalie go out to poke check or something and he gets hit with a knee and everybody's going, he was in the blue. Like, look, his pad was in the blue. But the crease is 3D and you don't get to say, I'm in the crease just because you have six inches of your, of your leg in the crease. Mm-hmm. It's 3D and goes up. Once you break that plane with your upper body, the part that's breaking that plane is no longer in the crease. Yeah. So when a goalie, uh, he's turned sideways and half his body's outside the crease and he goes to make a blocker save and the player's literally trying to deflect the puck and makes contact, if that's not intentional, that goalie's not in the crease. And But people, people think because his other foot's in the crease that he's still in the crease. He's not. So I think those are the biggest takeaways. Yeah. And if you, if you were to write those down like in a checklist and you went through them all, I think a lot of them would make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. I also do think that like, you know, these interactions and these conversations, if, if you were to just make it black and white, it's no fun. You know, it's, it's good to have the, uh, the human effect when it comes to refereeing also, you know, there, there's probably not a lot of times in your career where you heard, Oh my God, great game from the refs. Like, you know, it's, it's a lose lose for referees, right? Just like, from my kids, just from my yeah, kids. You know, but you know what I mean? Like that's just, that's the truth. It's like, it's gotta be such a hard job too. Cause you know, it's either you, you ref a, uh, a sound game and it was clean that didn't get out of control or it was a yeah. bad game. There's never like, wow, the refs were outstanding. You know, I asked our good friend Wes from the garden. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, Wes is a great dude, but uh, you never go home and, and, you know, you didn't score a hat trick. You didn't, you Mm -hmm. didn't get in a fight and pump your team up. I mean, there's nothing tangible about what you did. There's only, oh, you missed that call or you blew that call. And and, somebody asked me last week, they said like, how do you know when you've done a good game? And I said, if you're going, if you're going into that profession, to uh, to look for people to pat you on the back and tell you did a good job, 
It's not going to happen. You have to be really, you have to have a lot of self-confidence mm. and a lot of self-affirmation. I mean, I know it sounds corny, but you got to look in the mirror after a game and say, would you change anything? I know they're pissed off at me, but would I change anything? <laughs> yeah. And if your answer is no, then you hold your head high and go, I did my job. Yeah. And that's what I get paid to do. I, I, I don't get paid to make people happy. I get paid to do my job. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can just remember that, and, and I think at the young, long, like with kids hockey, amateur hockey, they're losing referees by the busloads. I mean, parents. there's yeah. more that quit than sign up every mm-hmm. year. And I think the biggest issue with that is that you're out on the ice and you're a kid. Coaches are yelling at you. The players are yelling at you. And the parents are yelling at you. And when you come off the ice, there's nobody there to tell you good job. So those thoughts just get into your head and you go, yeah, I am no good. You would never sign your kid up for hockey and as a parent go, so who's coaching Johnny this year? And the, you know, the convener goes, we're not going to have coaches. We're just going to, we're just going to put them on the ice and we'll let them figure it out themselves. And the parents would lose their mind. Right. Yeah. But that's what they do with a lot of officials. They give them a clinic in the fall, give them a rule book. Here you go. And just go out and figure it out. You know, maybe get the older guys to mentor you. You need somebody, you need to be willing to spend the money for supervisors, for mentors to sit in the crowd and come down after the game when this kid's got his head down, he's being told how awful he is, and come in and say, listen, man, you did your job. Don't listen to them. You were really good tonight. Mm. You were really good tonight. And I tell you what, that, that goes further than anything. The kid will leave the rink with a smile. He'll come back because he wants to please that his boss. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people just need to start doing that, putting the money into development. Yeah, no, those, those are all really good points. And I, I want to uh, transition a little to some of the fun stuff because I'm sure you've witnessed a ton of tilts throughout your time as a ref. And, uh, you know, how, how did you handle enforcers and those inevitable conflicts that pretty much happen every game? And, you know, was there ever just one catch fight? One? <laughs> that, yeah, did you ever catch one? Did, did You know, was there one fight that just stood no. out to you that you were like, I got to get the hell out of the way? <laughs> Well, fortunately, I mean, I wore the armbands my whole career, so I let the linesmen do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the heavyweights were really good guys. I mean, you just go down the list, and I can't think of one of them that was a, a jerk. I mean, most of them mm-hmm. played by the code. They uh, they didn't do a lot of cheap stuff. They uh, they just went out there, and they'd hit you from the front, and you want to go, you drop the gloves. Um, when I was in the American League, it was, was not uncommon to have five, six fights a game back in the early 90s. And you just got used to that. It was just the culture of the game. And it, it, it slowly changed. We get the NHL. I think the NHL, the hype, even before a fight would happen, you'd have, you'd have Ty Domi playing uh, Bob Probert. Or you would have uh, Joey Koser, um, Stu Grimson. You know, all, all, the, all these guys. And they're coming into the building. And the crowd was just going, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? It would just be a build-up, build-up. And you know it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you'd slide by the benches or something. during, And you almost wanted it to happen. Because until it did happen, you kind of had to babysit. You, you, you'd always have scrums. I mean, people ask me now, you get a game with scrums and everything, and they go, oh, are you worried there's going to be a fight? You're like, no. It'd be really great if there was a fight because two guys would just take it out on each other, man to man, and it, it often, what it often does is settles things down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, but some great tilts over the years. I mean, Bob Probert, Ty Domi. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm leaving a, you know. Stu Grimson, George Paros. I mean, just, just a ton, ton of big men that throwing bombs. And I, you know, I also realized when I think about why I never played hockey, I mean, <laughs> that, that wasn't for me. The, I used to win my fights by about two blocks. 
<laughs> I, I actually, though, I want to build off that too and just ask you from a, you know, a referee's perspective on, you know, let's say a, a Ranger Devils game back in what was it, like 2012, the three fights off the opening draw. You know, how do you handle the rest of that game? You know, that's a, that's a, a, a mosh pit right from the game. I mean, it is. Uh, I, I had the game, and I think it was in 17 or 16, uh, Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, Calgary, mm-hmm. where um, we had all, all 10 guys fight off the draw. That's when Tortorella went around after the period and tried yep. to get at Bob Hartley in the locker room. And, and um, you know, we, we got all the fights broken up, and we went over to the penalty box. We had 10 guys sitting in the box. And I was working with uh, another veteran and, and and two young guys and we were all debating and they were like, so like which fight started first and were they all simultaneous and how are we going to find a way to keep these guys in the game? And not, mind you, it wasn't a playoff game, but, mm-hmm. and, and I just, I kind of looked at the guys, I go, why don't we just toss them all? <laughs> like other than the first fight, the rule book covers us. So let's toss these guys. And, um, you know, so we shortened the bench. And, and away we went and we had no problems the rest of the game. And I, I actually, if we'd left the guys in the game, I think the Jersey game, they did leave those guys in the game. Yeah, they did. And, yeah. and I think the game went, went fine. They got out of their system early on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you need to do is just keep your antenna up and you go, okay, well, sometimes when you're refereeing a hockey game, you have a tendency to let the momentum build. You'll have a scum or two where you'll warn guys and, and hope the warning does it, or you'll, you'll, you'll pull one guy out of the herd and, put a team down for two minutes and hope that settles things down. When you start the game with that kind of, with that kind of animosity, you've just got to be at the pedal down the whole game. First scrum, you get someone out of the scrum. You keep them, keep one team shorthanded until they start playing hockey. Yeah. And then once they get the message back away and let them play because you don't want to be part of the game, but there's times you have to be, there's times you have to insert yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I just think of the Rangers caps opening night last year when uh, that was last year, right? It was, was last, year, last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, uh, was it? Yeah. Went off the draw. Yeah. Time, time, fl- time flies these days, but um, I would love to know a little bit about what it was like for you transitioning from a ref into an ESPN analyst role. And, you know, can you tell us a little bit about what you do as the rules analyst? Sure. So uh, I retired in 18 and I worked, I worked for the league for two years as a um, uh, coach, as a supervisor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, COVID hit. And, you know, all about the essential people. Uh, I, I got furloughed for two years and then uh, they called me and asked me if I'd like, like to come back. But at the same time, ESPN got the NHL contract and um, I got a call from ESPN asking if I'd like to interview for the job. And I said, yeah, for sure. I'd love to. And the funny thing is my, my wife always said, like, I'd be sitting on the couch and <laughs> something would happen. Something would happen and I'd lose my mind. And I'd be like, they're wrong. They're explaining this wrong. She's like, oh, you'd be so good explaining stuff on TV. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. So when ESPN came along, I just jumped at it, not realizing that my rants on the couch lasted about two minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on, on ESPN, I've got about 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. So uh, when I first started off, I found it really tough. And I, 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 would, I would speak for 20, 30 seconds, and I'd be really mad at myself because I felt that I actually created more questions than I, than I gave answers to. Um, not being able to wrap it up and be brief. So I really had to work on that. And I, I think I've gotten better. There's always room for improvement, but um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's um, a friend of mine was an airline pilot. Uh, he used to fly transatlantic. And I asked him, it must be a pretty exciting job. And he goes, well, to be quite honest, it's hours of boredom punctuated by seconds of panic. And, and, you know, I'll be sitting here. I'm sitting in the same chair. I got my monitors here in front of me and I'm watching the hockey games. And I got two games going on at once. 
and you're just watching hockey and nothing going on. The games are not, and all of a sudden something will happen and you're like, oh boy, I'm on, I'm on, here we go. And I've got about 10 seconds to see one or two replays and then they come to me and I better have an answer. Yeah. And, and, and most yeah. times I do, but sometimes I don't. And sometimes like we talked about earlier, it's a goalie interference call. I told you I could probably get 18 out of 20, but sure enough, it's going to be one of those two that the judgment just goes the other way. It's because bottom line, it's a judgment call. It's not black and white. And I say in my judgment, that's going to be a good goal. And well, here comes the referee and let's see. Oh, no goal. And I take the, take the L and move on and <laughs> hope that, uh, hope that I'm right the next time. But you know, for the most part, sometimes people ask me why I don't criticize the officials on Twitter and stuff. It's not really my job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not a referee analyst. I'm a rules analyst. Uh, my job is to, when something goes on in the game, to explain the rule, explain the criteria, uh, explain how the rule should be applied, the interpretation, and then let the let the announcers or let the, the general public, like they can make their own decision. Well, I don't think that was applied the way it should be. And, you know, I'm not going to support a bad call, but I'm also not going to pile on the guys. Mm. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I mean, well, the funniest thing was uh, that day I was going out with Islanders and Sabres fans on Twitter about that Hudson yeah. fashion goal. I, I actually ended up, you know, seeing the full time shot, and I agreed with your. You actually, okay. So backstory: I'm arguing on Twitter all day with Islanders and Saber fans, and I get a DM from Dave Jackson. I'm like, oh my god, this is like, you know, the NHL ref ESPN like breaking it down in my Twitter DM right now. And uh, you know, I, I had to obviously take a step back and like realize my side of the argument because I was like heavy on the Saber side. Yeah. But you know, it's it's one of those things too where even you, you know, someone who's so experienced. You know, you were telling me that you didn't want to dive into a Twitter thread because, you know, it's just, you know, only bad things from there when you chime in. But like yeah. sometimes you just can't help yourself when you're so passionate about something. So and I think you know, about half an hour later, yeah. I did. I, I couldn't help myself. I just <laughs> dove in. And, you know, if you want to talk about kicking the puck in for a distinct kicking motion. It's really easy when the puck is still, you know, the goal, the puck's lying loose in the crease and there's a scramble for a loose puck. It's not moving. Guy stick gets tied up and he kicks it. That's a distinct kicking motion. The one we saw the other night in the Islanders game, yes, he moved his leg. There's no doubt he's moving his leg. But the propulsion of that puck, it was a slap shot. So him moving his leg, it hit his leg and changed direction. Mm -hmm. And it's off the ice. So distinct kicking motion, I'm saying 90% of pucks that go off the leg or skate are going to be good goals. And that's, that's just, I think, common sense in today's game. We want scoring. And the rules in there used to be in there because goalies didn't wear masks yeah. and the skates were those old pointy metal skates where you don't want guys kicking their feet when the goalie's lying on his, on his stomach with his face. That doesn't happen nowadays. So you want to talk about earlier about changing rules. Hey, if you're good enough to bat it in with your head or, yeah. or, you know, turn your skate to, I mean, we want, we want more scoring. So I couldn't agree more. I yeah. think get the puck in the net any way you can besides throwing it. And, I, and I'm good yeah. with it. You know, I'd be okay I, I with agree that. with that. Yeah, sure. Same. Except you, you might, if, if we allow high sticking, you might see guys get whacked in the face a little bit more though. No, you can't, but you can't <laughs> high stick the puck anyways, right? But yeah. you're allowed to kick yeah. the puck. You can kick the puck to a teammate. You can't high stick the puck to a teammate. So we'd still have no mm. goal for that. Are you cool with uh, one more question each? You guys take as long as you want. I got nothing going Cody? on. Don't, don't do that to Johnny because then, you know, yeah, I'll have 15 20. different questions. But right. um, yeah, yeah. I guess my last one is, I would love to know what your experience was like, obviously refereeing the Olympics uh, back in 2014. And how did that compare to, you know, refing a regular NHL game 
uh, throughout the season, uh, obviously totally different environment. So never in my wildest dreams that I think I was ever going to go to Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, did you and actually, <laughs> well, yeah, but the, always the mystique of going to Russia and how, you know, cool it would be a little disappointing that Sochi, I'm not sure is true Russia. Um, if a Russian said, I want to go to the U S got on a plane, flew to Disneyland in, in, in Anaheim, never <laughs> left, never left Anaheim, got back on the plane and flew home and said, I've, I, I've been to America. Yeah. It was kind of what Sochi was like. I mean, we were there in February in golf shirts. It was warm. They had palm trees and a cute little quaint little downtown area and everything. But, you know, it wasn't Moscow or St. Petersburg or, or any of those things. But uh, we chartered over. So it was really cool. Four, uh, 13 of us all together with some media and everything. Our hotel was inside the Olympic uh, compound. So we didn't have to go through security every day. We just come out of our hotel and walk Olympic Park. But we were there for 18 days. And um, I only worked, I think, three games. Oh, wow. Uh, and standby two other games. So we had a lot of downtime. Yeah. Um, I didn't work any of the uh, semis or the finals. So the games I worked were, were, were really cool. Big ice surface. Uh, you've got a lot more time and space as an official. Players aren't as grouped together. It's not quite as tight. Um, but having said that, I didn't work any of the semifinals or finals. And those games were intense. We had great seats for those. We were like eight rows from the ice. Uh, the final game, the semifinal. I was there for Oshi scored, what, three times in a shootout in the Canada-Russia yeah. game? I mean, the U.S.-Russia game. Um, it was just a really neat experience. Um, bonding with the 13 guys you were with. And uh, just hanging out every night. It was just, it was like being at training camp. It was just hockey, hockey, hockey all day long. Glad I did it. Real, a lot of fun. Um, but a completely different vibe than the NHL. You didn't really know all the players as much unless you're doing Canada or, or the US and uh, didn't know the coaches as much. Um, there was more pressure to some degree because of the Olympics, but less pressure because it's really not your job. Mm-hmm. You're there, but you just, I mean, ask any official. He wants to be perfect every game and that's all you strive for. And you talk about bonding and I guess, you know, I'll wrap up with, uh, you know, I want a cool story about, you know, a post game. I know refs, you know, every now and then loves to have some beers in the ref room uh, after a game and whatnot. But was there any night or any game that stands out in your career where, you know, you're sipping a beer after the game with your, your officials and your partners and, and you're, you're like, just, I don't know, guys, I think we might've messed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like every second game. <laughs> yeah, um, like one call, like, Oh, I think we might've got it wrong there. <laughs> It's funny you ask that because a lot of people, I've realized this, I never had social media when I was working. Mm -hmm. Probably smart. Well, we were sort of told uh, we weren't allowed to have it. Now, maybe you guys have burner accounts and stuff, but I just, I'm staying staying off it. And I realize now that had I had social media, it it would have been like soul crushing. It just, it just, people just love to be haters out there and just, and just troll you. They always say that referees, the, the biggest buzzword right now is lack of accountability referees make a bad call or they cost a team a game and they're just not held accountable if these people had any idea how many sleepless nights i had in my career how many gray hairs i have now how many wrinkles because of (laughs) bad calls or because of calls i missed we don't come into the locker room and and yuck it up and drink a bunch of beers when you've just blown a hockey game the room's usually pretty quiet and Guys will be, you know, in the taxi on the way home in a rental car and be like, uh, anybody going up for a beer? And kind of like, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to bed. And you, literally, you just lie there staring at the ceiling, playing the thing over and over and over in your head. Uh, you have access to a laptop and you, you pull the game up, 
and you watch the call and you're just like, oh my God, like, what was I thinking? Like, mm-hmm. why did I call that? Like, that doesn't, that didn't happen at all. Like I remember it happening on the ice and a lot of it's to do with sight lines. A lot of it's to do with, you know, pressure you're under fatigue. You just react a certain way. And mm-hmm. when you see it on replay and you just go, wow, yeah, the team's right to be upset with me. And it stays with you. And the worst thing is when it happens in the final game of every road trip, because then you've got three or four days off to just let it just really get into you. But for your fans listening to this, we are accountable. I mean, you're dreading that phone call the next morning. You're getting off the plane, checking your messages going, yeah, when's the boss going to call me? Um, there's There's a guy in Toronto in the Situation Room who is dedicated at a desk with like four computer screens to every single game. Oh, There's wow. one guy, one guy dedicated every single game and he makes notes. They call him a logger. He logs every penalty, every goal, every missed call in his opinion. And they get sent to you and sent to the supervisory staff. The supervisory staff every day gets assigned the task of watching this game. They don't have to watch the whole 60 minutes. They just click on the, the things that were logged and they see if the call was right or wrong. And if it's, if it's wrong, you expect a phone call. And at um, probably 50%, 40% of your games, you've got a supervisor, a mentor, a coach, um, part of management staff at your game. He comes down after the game. It's a full debrief of everything you did that game. And uh, at mid-season, you get a uh, performance review of your first half of the season based on all your supervisions. And then come playoffs, I mean, just over half the staff get assigned playoffs. The ones that don't get assigned playoffs – there's various reasons. Some guys are close to retirement. Some guys are new on staff. They had a great season and there's just no room for them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, playoffs are all bonus money and only the best get playoffs. So they talk about finding officials. We don't find officials. You can't find officials. You don't find goaltenders and they let in a bad goal. <laughs> it's yeah. un- 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 unintentional. It's a mistake. Yeah. But they also might not get the next start. And for referees, they might not get playoffs. And it's all about your body of work. I tweeted it last summer, I think after game one of the Rangers Penguin series, when there was that controversial goal interference call on, on mm-hmm. Kako, I said like, you know, a, a game like this, put the ref in the post game presser. Let's hear what they have to say. You know, I think referees should be able to do that if they want to. Well, that's why you have me on TV. Yeah. I explain it, but uh, point. a lot of people want that. The, the only, the only difference, man, it's funny. I just read the other day, um, someone complaining, I believe from the Rangers, they weren't being, <laughs> They Shocker. weren't being allowed getting <laughs> getting the players they wanted after the game to interview. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the team yeah, decides yeah. they're going to protect certain players, and I respect that. Why throw someone to the wolves? And 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 that would be with like a friendly journalist in a sense because it's the hometown, and you know you've got to work with this guy all season. Who's going to protect the referees? It's a hostile. I mean, I read I read Twitter, and I read mm-hmm. these people just cutting up the referees. And yeah. talking about how they're incompetent and this and that, I can't imagine it'd be a very friendly press conference. It would be very uh, antagonistic, in my opinion, and it wouldn't go well. It wouldn't go well for anyone. It wouldn't go well for the league, for the referee involved. And that's why I don't think it's a good idea. If they want to maybe a request and you'd have to negotiate it, but maybe a pool reporter, someone that goes into the referee's room, mm. asks questions with a tape recorder and then comes back out and shares it. I mean, that could work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or especially yeah. in playoffs, you could always ask the, there's a supervisor at every game. So you could always speak with him and get his answers. Yeah, no, it's such a a good point. I mean, it's it really is such a good point because no matter no matter what way you look at it, especially if it's the home team, there's always going to be a fan base that's unhappy with any Uh any given call. So no, it's 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 definitely a really good point. 
And what people, my last thing here to say, what people don't understand is that a referee calls maybe, I don't know, let's say, let's say there are eight or nine penalties in a game and people focus on the one missed call or the one that was called that was bad, but he didn't only make nine calls. He made like 500 calls. Mm-hmm. Every time there was a body check, every time there was a, uh, an icing, a play across mm-hmm. the blue line, a guy falling down. Those are all decisions, and those are all correct decisions that nobody's talking about. I'm actually going to pull a Johnny here, and I have one. I have uh-huh. one final question because you because of what you just said. Has sure. there ever been a time? And you could be honest here. Has there ever been a time where there's been? Are you saying I'm lying to you so far? Maybe <laughs> we don't know. No, no, no. I'm okay. Um, okay. So has there ever been a time where there's maybe been a call that initially? you or maybe you've seen someone else miss and then the, you guys hear the fans reaction and then and then give a late call to come um, to peer pressure <laughs> yeah no not by the crowd but i certainly have reacted late and sometimes sometimes when you react late it's actually good refereeing for example every penalty in the rule book in my opinion is sort of a gray area penalty especially hooking and mm-hmm. holding you know yeah. one per one person yeah. one person's hooking will be another person's great defensive play mm-hmm and there's times, for example, you'll see a guy uh, gets the puck at the blue line to keep it in. And he keeps it in, and he does like a spinorama, and the guy puts the stick around him, and it's kind of like a hook. And he's kind of hooking him, but it's like, well, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not going to guess here. But then the guy goes down, and the puck ends up going on a breakaway. Yeah. And good refereeing there, you go – it's 50-50. I'm not sure, but there's no way I'm, I'm going to allow a breakaway when I think it might have been a hook. Mm-hmm. So you shoot your arm up. And they say, well, you put your arm up late. I go, because I wasn't 100% sure, but, you know, I, I took a second. I had that luxury to take a second. Then I threw my arm up. And you'll see also sometimes we tell the referee who's in the neutral zone, the guy who's closest to the puck in the corner, you're going to give him first crack if it's right beside him. Yeah. So – Something something will happen, and I always looked at it. If I'm in the neutral zone, and I think my partner missed a hook or a hold that really doesn't have a um, an effect on a scoring chance, mm-hmm. I'm not going to throw my arm up because I don't have the right to say my judgment's better than his. He's five feet from it. But if it's something violent, like a a high stick, a slash, or it takes away a scoring chance, I'm going to give him first crack. But if he doesn't call it, I'm throwing my arm up. And he'll probably end up thanking me during a commercial. He'll yeah. be like, hey, thanks for having my back there. I was too close, so I just didn't see it. But you have that luxury of waiting that extra second, and you throw your arm up. Everyone goes, oh, the crowd called that or the team called it. They didn't. You're just waiting to see your partner react sometimes and, and see what he does. And you know, going back to what I said earlier, like there's, there's times where every penalty is a gray area. And you're going, yeah. I, might, I might let that go unless a team derives a huge advantage from it. And when that advantage gets derived, you have no choice but to put your arm up. And that's just that's just good officiating. And people say managing the game. I think managing the game, your job is to manage players' emotions. That's why you're out there. You're like, you're like a manager of a company. You've got people working underneath you. You've got to manage these players. At no time have I ever thought of any referee saying, I'm going to manage the outcome of the game. Nobody ever wants to do that. You mm-hmm. don't want to be noticed. You don't want to have your fingerprints anywhere over the outcome of a hockey game. You just want to yeah. do your job and get in and get out. Yeah. So true. Um, but yeah, Dave, we want to thank you so much for doing this. And uh, I, I'm definitely going to be tweeting at you if there's a controversial Rangers call come playoff time. So I'm going to be uh, busy in the playoffs. Time. And uh, <laughs> anytime, anytime you guys don't want me back, just let me know. Yeah, Appreciate we'd love to do you, that. Dave. Thank you, Dave. All right, guys. Thanks so like much, you. man.
See you guys. We want to thank Dave Jackson once again for hopping on the show. Hopefully that answered up a lot of questions that fans have for referees, but just great to get his insight. Great to hear his opinions and his experience overall. You really have the chance to hear from referees and it's nice to know how they feel, how they see the game and kind of their everyday pressures, because, you know, I know all of us can be guilty of being hard on refs. So, uh, you know, it's nice to hear from him and hear those stories. And maybe the next time you think about tweeting, fuck you, ref, or ref, you suck, you'll think about Dave and, and his stories and his experience. So I know I'll definitely think about it. I'll probably tweet at him directly if I have a problem with any calls. But want to thank him once again. And obviously without Cody, there's no draft segment this week. So I'm just going to talk about the games coming up this weekend or this week. I'm sorry. Tuesday, the Rangers play at home against the Columbus Blue Jackets, a 7 o'clock puck drop. I don't know if anyone remembers, but the last time Columbus was in town, it was ugly. The Rangers lost like 5-1. to one. I think it was back in October. It was a terrible game. Yaroslav Halak was in goal. So hopefully the Rangers can you know, play up to their level and, and beat the shit out of the Blue Jackets. I think it could be like a 5-1 Rangers win. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, so keep your eye out for that one. Rangers-Devils on Thursday, another 7 o'clock puck drop. Rangers in New Jersey. It should be a fun one. And this one could be back and forth. I see like a 3-3 overtime game, and it goes either way. Devils win in overtime. Rangers win in overtime. But I think this one's going to be in overtime just with the emotion. And, you know, they're going to be ramping it up for the playoff series. It's obviously anticipated that these two teams are going to play each other. So I expect to see some fights, some emotion, some good overall back and forth play. I'm going to say Rangers 4-3 in overtime, but it could go either way. This is a 50-50 game, but a huge game for implications for home ice in the playoffs. Hopefully the Rangers come out with it, but it's going to be a fun one, that's for sure. Friday, back-to-back, second night of back-to-back, Rangers versus the Sabres in Buffalo. Uh, we all know how that game went recently when the Rangers won overtime thanks to that Panarin uh, power play goal. Buffalo's been struggling as of late. The Sabres are 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. They haven't looked very good. I think they're depleted right now. So I think the Rangers win this one again. I'm feeling pretty good about the Rangers week this week. Uh, I think they go into Buffalo and beat that team up. Um, the Sabres have been a team I've been high on all year, but right now I think they're just – not waving the white flag, but, you know, I think the the hopes are dwindling a little bit. So I think the Rangers go in there and beat the Sabres. And then to wrap the week up, another afternoon game against the Caps, 1 o'clock, April 2nd, Sunday afternoon game. Should be a fun one again. We all know the, the shit-kicking the Rangers got last time in Washington, D.C. For whatever reason, the Caps just seem to have our number this year. I don't think the Rangers win this game. It's going to be their third game in four nights. They should be a little bit tired. I don't think the Rangers pull this one out. I think the Caps win this game like 4-1 to one or 4-2. to two. But for whatever reason, the Caps just had our number this year, and I think they win that game as well. But that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. we got another one coming uh, either Sunday, or either Monday or Tuesday, I'm sorry, of next week. We don't have a guest booked yet, but we're going to try to lock in a good one for you guys. Uh, it's going to be a little bit harder to book guests as we get into the playoffs just because everyone's a little more busy. Uh, you know, I'll probably be a little more busy myself, um, you know, doing whatnot, but – it should be fun, and, uh, you know, me and Cody are excited to enjoy this journey with you guys. So, uh, you know, everyone rest up, reset. We'll talk to you next week, and let's go Rangers, baby.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.